on the 28th day of October, Halloween gave to me 28 James Wood smoking, 27 maggot squirming, 26 phone booth launches, 25 cotton candy cocoons, 24 space vampire snogging, 23 bloody canoes, 22 pool corpses, 21 groovy ashes, 20 Japanese giallos, 19 kung fu vampires, 18 haunted marches, 17 eternal lonelinesses, 16 cursed VHS tapes, 15 spectral snapshots, 14 mothers murdering, 13 prices bleeding, 12 models dying, 11 Betty's baking, 10 prices burning, 9 seagulls pecking, 8 scientists sneaking, 7 Goldwyn shooting, 6 psychic scamming, Five naked witches, four alien spelunking, three UFO abductions, two deputy so-and-sos, and a masked hawk being creepy. Well, hello, everyone. This is your pal, Bo, on the 31 Days of Halloween. We are on day 28. Only three movies to go after this one. Uh, and this is the beginning of our final mini-marathon. So, some spoilers here, I suppose, for the coming days. But uh, the next four movies, including this one, will be uh, Stephen King adaptations or Stephen King penned projects, uh, things related to Stephen King, the spookiest of Halloween writers, uh, unless you count, you know, Poe or maybe Lovecraft or maybe Owen Hill, his son, or, uh, maybe Clive Barker, actually, uh, maybe Richard Matheson, uh, come to think of it, there are a lot of spooky writers, but, but Stephen King is one of them. And, uh, I thought it would be fun to do a handful of of uh, Stephen King movies and talk about something that I dearly, dearly love. Uh, so this is one, it kind of falls into two categories at once. Again, if you're keeping score at home, there were three categories we're talking about uh, this year. Movies I haven't seen, movies I haven't seen in a while and want to revisit, and movies I love. And Cat's Eye kind of falls into movies that I love and also I haven't seen in a while. And I think it's a pretty good anthology. Um, I think it is uneven, but I think I like it more now than I used to. And and I'll get to why. But first, uh, I like to do a little poetry break. You guys know that. Uh, every now and again, I just like to read a little poetry. Uh, so uh, I would like to recite for you the following. I didn't know I was someday spelled. I couldn't know. There was no way to tell. I took a step, I slipped, I fell, I didn't know why. Deep in the dark, it was too hard to see that in the night it had come over me, just stole my soul, imprisoned me with your cat's eye. That's right, those are lyrics, in fact, from the theme song to Cat's Eye, uh, appropriately uh, entitled Cat's Eye. And as you know from our discussion of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I enjoy a movie that's got a theme song. <laughs> and uh, Cat's Eye has one of the goofiest, and I really, really like it. Uh, it it's very 1985, which is the year this came out. Um, so a little backstory on this. This uh, was directed by Louis Teague, written by Stephen King, uh, who adapted two stories from the Night Shift anthology. And then there was a third story, the kind of wraparound slash final story uh, called General. Um, that was written for the movie. 
And Louis Teague was no uh, stranger to Stephen King films. Um, he had done uh, Cujo, uh, which I believe that's right, right? Like Cujo happened before Cat's Eye, surely. So, yeah, so he did this uh, right after doing Cujo. He also did um, Alligators, uh, which, uh, side note, the kids love it when I say alligator like Kermit the Frog. Uh, they really, really, really love it. Um, mostly because I, I think that they were raised poorly and uh, I entertain them. But yeah, so uh, if I say alligator, they lose their minds. That's neither here nor there. Um, but Louis Teague, yes, had directed Alligator, had directed Cujo, then did Cats. I also a movie called Fighting Back, a.k.a. Death Vengeance, whatever that is. Uh, I am unsure and, and frankly, um, not that interested. Although now that I see that that movie stars Tom Skerritt and Patti LuPone and Yafet Koto, uh, I am more interested. Uh, maybe I should check that out. Anyway, so Cat's Eye uh, starts off with... Uh, our, our friend, the cat running around and, um, there is a spooky ethereal ghostly Drew Barrymore who, uh, drops in to be like, Hey general, come quick. There's something after me. It's going to get me. And so this cat, unlike any cat ever is showing concern for a stranger <laughs> cats, the psychopaths of the animal kingdom. This is the rare cat that's like, you know what? For once, I'm going to help out somebody. Not only like my owner. No, no, no. This is just some stranger, some strange child I don't know who's probably going to pick me up and and squeeze me too hard. And you know how cats love that. So, so this cat, through uh, some sort of magical connection with this girl, is on a trek to find her and sort of runs afoul of a couple of uh, Stephen King stories. One of them being the, the first story, which is Quitters, Inc., which stars James Woods and Alan King, uh, the old stand-up comic Alan King, and James Woods, who uh, was a notable actor up until apparently he went kind of crazy, like like super right-wing crazy. And I, it's fine if you're right-wing, but it's different if you're right-wing crazy. You can keep that to yourself. Uh, just like you can keep left wing crazy to yourself. I don't want either kind of crazy. I, I want to keep, I steer clear of crazy in general. Uh, so, uh, I, but I think, uh, uh, yeah, that he's gone full, like, like Randy Quaid seems to have gone left wing crazy and James Woods has gone right wing crazy. Maybe if we bring them together, they could hash it out and we could make them both sane again so that we can enjoy their performances once more. Uh, but yeah, so he is uh, a, a guy who goes into an office to quit smoking, uh, recommended by a friend of his or something. And on the way out, there's a woman in tears and a husband begging for forgiveness. And you're like, maybe this is not on the up and up. And what you learn in the course of the story is that Quitters, Inc. is kind of run by the mob. And they they use mob tactics to get you to quit smoking, which is, hey, <laughs> hey, look, uh, we're not gonna hurt you if you if you accidentally slip and smoke. No, 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 we're gonna hurt your wife and then your daughter. Uh, which, by the way, Drew Barrymore plays James Woods' 
like mentally handicapped daughter in the film, which is really unnecessary and also maybe in poor taste. Uh, it's tough to say. It, it, I think it is in poor taste. The more I think about it, the more sure I am that it's in poor taste. Um, it's like Juliette Lewis being in The Other Sister. You just don't need to see this. But yeah, so the whole thing is this very tongue-in-cheek kind of will-he-won't-he he of will he break down and smoke and what are the repercussions of that. And it's a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's really over the top. There's one scene where he's talking to Brad Hall of uh, Saturday Night Live and Troll fame uh, about... You know, like, Brett Hall's offering him a cigarette, and he's like, nah, I don't smoke anymore. And he's like, since when? Earlier this afternoon? Come on, man, everybody smokes. And it's a scene where he looks around, and, like, literally everybody is smoking, including Alan Arkin. And every breath you take is playing that Alan Arkin does a kind of a dance down the stairs to the song. It's really goofy and silly, but in kind of a wonderful way. And there's also uh, a bit... Uh, uh, in in the goings on of the story where yeah, somebody is hiding in his house. It's probably my favorite scene in the movie is when he's going around his house looking for a cigarette, finds one in a desk drawer and then hears somebody uh, or I think, I think he sees shoes in a, in a wardrobe and ends up th like trying to find somebody and then convincing himself that there was no one there and then he tosses the umbrella into the wardrobe and here's a oof, uh, which is pretty terrific. So yeah, that's, that's story number one. It's very silly. It's very fun. Story number two is The Ledge, which I think makes a better story than a film segment because the whole premise is you've got a rich dude whose wife is having an affair on him. <coughs> Uh, with Robert Hayes, no less, from Airplane, and of course the the girl, the gold watch, and everything, which is a mini series that was on television, and they kind of make a reference to it, but you have to be my age to remember that such a thing as the girl, the gold watch, and everything existed, which was Robert Hayes and I think Pam Dauber from Morgan and Mindy. So I just continue to date myself with every word that comes out of my mouth. But yeah, so the uh, Kenneth McMillan uh, plays the rich guy and he essentially just proposes a bet, right? Like, hey, I won't hurt you if you can walk around this very small ledge around this tall building with the wind whipping around and pigeons pecking your feet. And uh, and if you can do that, you, you can take this money and get the hell out of here, which was your plan all along. And it's a pretty standard... Uh, kind of revenge story. Like if you saw this on Tales from the Crypt or something like that, it would be uh, appropriate. It reminds me a little bit of that Tarantino segment with uh, Bruce Willis from the movie Four Rooms. And it's okay. It, it's made way better by Kenneth McMillan, who is a great character actor. It looks a little bit like um, Brian Dennehy or... Or maybe a Charles Durning, if you will. Uh, so, you know, that ilk is is uh, Kenneth McMillan. And he's really good in it. Robert Hayes is kind of fine. He's a little bland. That's always been Robert Hayes' problem is that he's 
he's a good actor and he's funny. Like he's wonderful in Airplane, but he's just not, you know, uh, like he doesn't light up the screen. You know, he's not a movie star. Uh, he, but he's good. He's a good actor, and I hope he's still doing work. Is he alive? Uh, check with me in real time as we learn that Robert Hayes is in fact still alive and uh, has, is still doing some work. Showing up in like Sharknado movies and stuff of late, but uh, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, but he was a, you know, did work for a long, long time and hopefully socked away some of that money. Um, but he, yeah, he's totally fine in this, just not amazing. And then you get to the final uh, segment, which is general, which is Drew Barrymore and her parents. And I had for a long, long time, I just didn't like this segment. And this time around, I kind of went for it. And I think it's because there's some uh, Carlo Rimbaldi special effects that really works. I just thought that uh, the whole idea, right, is that Drew Barrymore is being chased by this little troll that lives in her wall and the makeup effects and the special effects surrounding this little troll, because a lot of times what it is, is a guy in full body costuming as this troll with like an animatronic face that uh, provides expressions. And then they put them on a set that makes everything look bigger. So a regular size guy looks like a tiny troll. And then there's some co uh, composite shots and stuff to, make it look like he is interacting with Drew Barrymore and the cat and that kind of thing. And for a long time, I just didn't really like this segment all that much. And I kind of fell in love with it this time. It's, it's a little silly, but then so is the first story. And I like all the effects work and it ends in a pretty bloody way, which I appreciate. Uh, spoilers. This little troll goes into a, uh, a fan and gets diced up, kind of like the the that bald dude from Raiders that is duking it out with Indiana Jones by the plane. And, you know, the, along the way, there's this mother that's trying to get rid of the cat because her mother uh, believed that cats are trying to steal your breath. Meanwhile, it's really the troll. And also added to this spice is the fact that the husband is like, your mother said what? What a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and, is you know, like you get to see... The dynamics of this family, and every now and again, Stephen King uh, layers in some of this character stuff that really works and makes it feel very real and very lived in, and this is one of those things, and I think maybe it's just because I'm older and watching this again after many years, I'm like, oh, they do feel like a, a an actual married couple that aren't picking at each other. I mean, they are, but they're not like antagonistic, it's just... You know, when you have in-laws or, you know, your significant other's parents and you just have opinions about them, right? And sometimes you're like, hey, I like your dad just fine and all, but holy shit, he's a handful. You know, it's that kind of thing. And I really, really like that. And so I really came away from Cat's Eye digging it a lot more. And also the, the end of the movie almost does a little head fake of like, oh, is the cat actually going to steal Drew Barrymore's breath? Oh no, it's just going to be a very friendly cat and lick her face. Which again, very uncat-like behavior for the most part in my experience. I've, you know, I interact with about five cats on a regular basis. Well, really four. One, one keeps her distance. But I, I interact with about four cats on a pretty regular basis. And 
they're not, you know, sit on your chest and lick your face. They'll sit on you, but I really think it's just because they want the warmth. And maybe they are stealing my breath. I don't know. I've had a little bit of cough lately. So anyway, once you get to the end of the movie, bada bing, bada boom, you get this hilarious theme song. And I love that. So I think Cat's Eye is a great, uh, you could almost watch it with your kids, except for the fact that I don't think they would have much interest in the first two segments. And I think maybe that's my biggest complaint is that the third segment feels very different than the other two. The other two feel very adult thematically. Like kids really aren't going to appreciate like quitting smoking. You know, that's, that's a very adult kind of thing or, or quitting whatever it could be chocolate, but like knowing that sense of like addiction and obsession with something. So that, uh, I think goes over the heads of most kids. And then I think the ledge is the same way. Like how many kids are thinking about infidelity and, and weird gambling bets, uh, on, on the regular, but the last segment is very fairy tale esque you know of this girl with a troll in her wall and so it feels a little out of place with the other two stories and i almost wish the other two were a little more kid friendly or that the last one w- went a little harder uh and wasn't quite as as fantasy fan- no, like i don't want to just call it fantastical but more like a, a kid's fantasy story um, as opposed to, you know, hey, if you don't quit smoking, we're going to grab your wife and throw her in this chamber with an electric floor so we can watch her hop around for a little bit. You know, that's a little grimmer than, hey, there's a troll in your wall and here's a cat to help save you. So I do think there is, there is something atonal about that last story. But overall, uh, I think it works pretty well. Um, it's a fun anthology. I, I, it, it's weird that you don't hear people talk about Cat's Eye much when they talk about like the great horror anthologies. Like, you know, to use another Stephen King example, like Creep Show or something like that, where, you know, is Cat's Eye better than Creep Show? Absolutely not. Creep Show is a much better movie than Cat's Eye. But I think Cat's Eye is, you know. The, the problem, I think, with it is that it's only three stories. And so you have to be bought into all three for the movie to kind of work, as opposed to something like, you know, The Vault of Horror, Tales from the Crypt, some of the old Amicus stuff where there's like five stories. And, hey, maybe you don't like this one, but there's three others that you do like. And this one, you know, if one of them is all for you, then that's a full third of the movie that you're really not down for. Um, but I, I like this movie real well. And I it made a great halloween watch uh and that's sort of what all of this is about right is sort of celebrating halloween and getting in the spirit of things and this movie does kind of get me in the spirit especially that last story like the first two don't really have supernatural components and then the last one again you got trolls and cats coming in to save the day against all odds and and good thinking but it's all really good i really liked it so uh, if you haven't seen Cat's Eye in a while, definitely check it out. If you've never seen Cat's Eye, it, it's really a lot of fun, especially that first uh, Quitter's Inc. story. And I think the last one is, is really good, too. It's just very different. And, and that's, again, my big complaint with it is that there's a, a bit of a tonal shift 
in the uh, the final act in that third story. Um, okay, so enough about Cat's Eye. This is the beginning of some Stephen King business. Uh, from here on, I would say it is increasing quality of films leading to, uh, in just a few days, we're going to be talking about my Halloween pick. The thing that I'm telling you, like, you should absolutely watch this on Halloween night and or uh, in the not-too-distant future so you can keep Halloween in your heart. Uh, by the way, I just want to impart a, a kid story because uh, I have some now. Uh, not kids. Well, I kind of do. Uh, my girlfriend has kids, and I'm with them a lot. But the little girl, uh, who is 10, recently uh, was caught by her mother uh, making some weird chant and when asked what she was trying, what, what she was up to, uh, the little girl says, I'm trying to summon a demon. And these are the things that make you proud to, uh, to be around kids. Um, so, uh, so for her birthday, I think we're going to get her, you know, uh, proper black magic utensils. Um, anyway, <laughs> I only say that to say like around the house, uh, Halloween, is in full swing. Kids are trying to summon demons. We're watching scary movies. It's it's terrific. Uh, we've got the uh, the the front yard decorated. I'll I'll have some pictures of that up uh, for the Halloween weekend and uh, over on the Discord. So hey, speaking of, uh, why don't you hop over to the Discord channel uh, to do that? Go to legionpodcasts.com where you can find a uh, this here post, a post about this episode of the show or many of the other uh, 31 days of Halloween. And um, on that post, you can find links to all of the Legion podcast social media. Uh, one of them is the Discord server. You can subscribe to all of them. I'm just telling you where you can find me. Um, and But I hang out over on the Discord server uh, pretty regularly and would love to hear your thoughts about Cat's Eye or any of the movies that we've talked about over the 31 days of Halloween. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, there's only a few days left uh, before I shelve all this stuff and get back to business over on the Dark Parade. So if you are not a subscriber to the Dark Parade uh, podcast, I encourage you to do so. Uh, you can also do that from legionpodcasts.com. If you go to the shows and then uh, the Dark Parade, you will find links there uh, to all of the various places where you can subscribe to the podcast or just search for it on the podcast catcher of your choice. Cause, uh, it's probably there. And if it ain't drop by the discord and let me know and I'll try to get it there. Uh, but also if you're listening on the, uh, the dark parade feed, be sure you're listening on the Legion podcast feed. That would be appreciated as well, where you can find this show and many others, some of which I do, uh, but plenty others that I got nothing to do with that are, are just terrific. Um, and I think, that is going to do it this time around. Uh, only a handful of days left, everybody. So go out there, be as spooky as you can be within the bounds of law of the law and good taste. And uh, join me back here tomorrow for another Stephen King movie uh, right here on the 31 days of Halloween on Legion podcast. See you then.